0: God, we thank you this morning for your presence and power. We thank you for the name of Jesus. It is the sweetest name we know, and we are in awe every time of even the invitation to speak the name with favor, God, is because of your grace. We thank you for the message and the truth of that name. We thank you for the the way it satisfies our deepest needs. We thank you for the way it stirs our hearts with affection we thank you for the way that that name meets us both in our lowest lows and our highest highs you are everything to us god and so we offer you everything and we ask that you would meet with us now as we turn our attention to your word we thank you for it god we thank you for your truth let it speak over our lives let it speak into the dry parts of our lives let it speak into the places where we're wanting so badly to be met by uh, the truth of who you are for our souls. So God, satisfy us today in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. amen. You guys can grab a seat. Thanks so much for, uh, uh, for being here this morning and um, I just want to say from the beginning kind of an echo to what uh, uh, Dylan already said in announcements. I just want you to know um, on behalf of um, our elders, our leadership team, uh, just how thankful I am um, for the generosity that we've seen in this year uh, to our church um, in the tithes and offerings specifically, not to mention all the other ways. Um, on behalf of our staff, I just want you to know how humbling it is and how um, uh, much joy it brings us to be able to uh, provide for our families. Um through your generous giving and, uh, and and not just that, but every aspect of our church, the ministry, the impact we're having is because of that generosity. And so I just wanna encourage you um, to finish strong in giving um, as we get in these last few weeks of, of 2021. We always sorta of just wanna encourage people in that and uh, because our heart in that, I want you to know is so many of us have experienced the great joy of how God meets you in generosity and uh, that discipline of giving, that worship of giving um, is, just, is just a phenomenal work that God does in that. It's a part of our worship and uh, we're so excited for uh, 2022 as we watch the church continue to grow and fulfill our mission and our heart in giving is that each person will be faithful. It's never about how much an individual person gives, it's about each person being faithful, uh, to steward what God's given you to steward. And so just want to encourage you guys in that from the outset. it's just a, a joy to look out and see so many people that uh, help that to be uh, the case in our church. And so just want you to hear that from me. So um, we're going to jump in uh, this morning. Um, two weeks ago, two weeks ago, we talked about hope. And I encourage you from God's word, I said, we've got to set our hope on the promises of the gospel. And last week, we considered peace, and we talked about how we need to live out of the truth of our justification. I know that message has continued to be stirring in my heart and giving me a security and peace that is um, unbelievable. Today, what we're going to do is, um, is we're going to talk about love, and we're going to uh, savor the love of God together. Um... Uh, we, we rush all the time in our world, uh, don't we? Like in life, we just seem to kind of rush all the time from one thing to another. And we find ourselves like trying to catch our breath because we just seem to be pressing on to the next thing and the next thing and we're hurrying constantly. And one of the things that happens when we're um, pressing like we do so often is, is we forget or we fail to, to stop long enough to really savor good things, right? Like we rush through meals. Like there are times, especially in my house with with four kids, and I look at the dinner table, I look around the dinner table and I'm like, we are savages. <laughs> like there's there's food spraying everywhere, and it's like it's our first meal ever. After a year of starving, is what it seems like at times. And and we just we just don't we just don't savor. And particularly at my table, there's a lot of things to savor. And then we rush in relationships, too, and we forget to savor them. There there are times when I I just take that moment to savor, and I look at my wife or one of my kids, and I just go, I'm so thankful, God. There there are moments that we need to savor. There are times in the midst of, of, of preaching and standing in front of uh, this church, and I just look out and I just want to stop and go, man, I'm so thankful that you're here and wanting to learn and grow and fulfill the mission God's called us to. And I'm so thankful to be leading in the way I am. And there's just moments that I just want to savor. I just want to savor. I, I want I want you to to learn the practice of stopping and savoring. To to let the the good things of life that God has provided just sort of like sit on your tongue a little bit longer and let it melt in your mouth and and just be satisfied with it. Just be satisfied with it. And to recognize that all good things are from the hand of God and taste and see, like the psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste it. More savoring, more savoring. And I'm gonna move at a bit of a, a different pace in this message especially compared to the messages over the past few weeks, especially back to the end of the series of Acts. And most weeks, it's a meal with multiple things on the plate that we're looking at as we work through a passage of Scripture. But today, a one, one thing on the plate, one thing on the plate. And we're going to savor it together because this is what God wants us to do with his love. Uh, Jude one twenty says, Keep yourselves in the love of God keep yourselves in the love of God. Right there, savoring. So today we savor God's love and I want to encourage you as we walk through this message to examine God's love as we're going to from his word. And I want you to taste the sweetness of it. I want you to realize that it's there to nourish your soul. The big move this week is savor the satisfaction of God's holy love savor the satisfaction of God's holy love and to do that we're going to look at one verse and we're going to walk slowly through it 1 John 4:10 in this is love not that we have loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins so i've broken this down into five parts and if you're like man uh, are, is there like five different points? No, there's five different, five different sections of this one verse, like I told you, a little bit different. We're gonna savor God's word this morning. We're gonna savor it. So I broke it down into five parts. The first part is this. In this is love. In this is love. So when, when you hear this from John, what he's doing is he's calling our attention to what he's about to reveal about the true character and nature of love. See, what John's very aware of, he knows that the world is blinded to the light of the gospel, and the world believes in a love that is lesser than. Okay, like like the, the world has pulled up alongside gospel love, it's hijacked it, it's gutted the reality of gospel love and it's given us something that has been redefined and it's a counterfeit, it's a counterfeit church. And what John's about to do is he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna actually define gospel love for us and he's going to show us how it's different than the world. But first, we have to understand what we're turning from because in this first phrase, he's saying, in this is love, turn, turn. I'm trying to get your attention off of the world's definition of love. Because the world's definition of love, here's the thing, it's completely, fundamentally different than biblical love, than gospel love. But here's the problem. It's a common problem in the kingdom of God and living in the kingdom of of the world while God's calling us to exist and be a part of the kingdom of God. The problem is, is that the love that the world talks about still tastes sweet but it's lesser than. It still has a bit of some similarity to the gospel love, and so people fall for it all the time, but the flavors are lesser. It's not rich and full. It might taste sweet. It might smell the same, but it's not the same. It's a counterfeit. So let me just outline it. Here's the world's idea of love. We're being called from this. The picture of love in the world is the heart, right? Everywhere, the heart, the heart in its full red color and we put it everywhere and love is love and love is the highest pursuit and the world is, the world's picture of love is the heart. Those of us who know the scriptures know that uh, the, the Bible teaches that the heart is deceitful above all things. It's wicked and deceitful above all things. Who can trust it? And so we look at the heart and it's a whole different reality. But for the world, the heart is the greatest thing. Chase your heart. Do whatever your heart desires. And we've, 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 the picture of love in the world is the heart. Now the state of the soul because of that is a leaky cup. The state of the soul in regards to love is leaking all the time. And and so you you try to get love from the world and then whatever way you might try to get it and you pour it into your heart and it's just leaking all the time. That's why there's this insatiable appetite for more. When people pursue after things that are not in line with God's understanding of love, people are just desperate for more because it never satisfies. The foundation of love because of that is insecure. 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 It's never anything I can trust. It's fleeting. It's fleeting. The end goal of the world's perspective of love is to satisfy self. Whatever pleases me. So because of that, because we've given um, our heart as the centerpiece of love, now our, our desire is to satisfy self, and so we'll go after anything. And because of that, what the world does is taken down any realities that would get in between any person's desire because of this next one, the motivation to love is their feelings. So if love is the highest thing and it's represented in the heart, then if someone's feeling something and they want something, well, then they should go after that and we should encourage that and be okay with it. And here's the tragic part lastly, when it's hard to love, the world flees. They flee. This isn't working, I'm gonna go try to find it over here. That disappoints me, I'm gonna go try to find it over here. And so what you have is you have this, you have this legacy of, um, of, of, of just fleeing from all of these loves that we're trying to fill our heart with. It's a really dark picture because it is a dark picture. It's the world's view of love. See what the world wants you, <clears throat> excuse me, the world wants you to believe <clears throat> is this. They want you to believe that Tootsie Rolls are the highest quality of chocolate that you can find. Okay? Anybody want a Tootsie Roll this morning? Okay, you have fallen for a lesser love. (laughs) But you know what? It will be sweet and it will taste a bit like chocolate. But there is nothing um, when when, um, you know a little bit about chocolate um, you, so when you pull out a Lindor truffle, you go, and this is chocolate. And this is chocolate. <clears throat> Who wants this? Okay, I saw a hand right up there go first. Front row, I'm telling you. It's where it's at. In this is chocolate. Because we understand that. It's rich, it's creamy, it's delicious. It does not taste like a Tootsie Roll. John is calling us, and he's saying, hey, in this is love. I'm about to show you something. I'm about to show you something better, something greater than the world's view of love. Refuse to be satisfied with lesser loves, friends. Refuse to be satisfied with lesser loves. We are tempted, I am tempted to to chase after lesser loves. I am tempted, just like you, to be satisfied by those lesser loves. In this is love. Before you can savor what God has to offer, you have to stop savoring the world's idea of love. So I want to expose it this morning. You you have to look for something more because there is something more. And if your heart in this is craving, I want to be more clear on what God's gospel love is. That's where we're walking this morning. So come see what God has given. So first, it starts here. Next, what, 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 what John says is, in this is love, not that we have loved God. Like, That's interesting. That's an interesting turn. And what, um, what John is clarifying from the very beginning is that uh, God's love is not based, it's not about what you have done. Shockingly, actually, in the paradigm and the understanding of love for the person that is used to the world's view of love now to see that it says, not that we have loved God, would just be shocking. Because because here's the thing we realize within the context of the gospel, we have nothing to offer. We have nothing to offer to God. Why would he love us? See, the statement not that we have loved God, is a statement that shows the truth, watch this, of the grace of God as, a, as a, a critical ingredient in God's love. Grace is one of the most beautiful flavors, one of the sweetest flavors that we taste when we savor God's love. And, and, and so the, the, the definition of grace <clears throat> is unmerited favor. Write that down, unmerited favor. And what John is doing here is he's saying that anything that follows as I begin to put my love in front of you, anything that follows as this verse continues regarding God's love for you is unmerited because you have not loved God. And, and I am strangely and rightly uh, I, find, I find peace in that it says this. Because I recognize, like I hope you do, that our hearts and our minds and our flesh just want to run from God. And in our sin, and when, we're, when we fail again before the holiness of God, we, we see and show again and again our rejection of God. Because none is righteous. Righteous. And in this, what you realize is that apart from the work of God on your heart, through the power of the Spirit, through the work of the Word of God, we do nothing good. Not that we have loved God. So what's about to come, what's about to be served up to us, is not because of your initiative, it's not because it's your plan, it's not out of your own power, nothing. You've just been invited. Hey, hey, in this is love. Not that you have loved God. Not that you have loved God. See, we come to God and and this gives us a sense of the invitation that God's just wooing us and drawing us with because God's word says you just come like wretched and pitiable and blind. That's what you come. And that, that, that invitation allows us to realize that it's unmerited favor and because we recognize in knowing our own sin that it is unmerited. We have not loved God. There's, there's no life in our hearts apart from God. The word says that our heart is stone apart from the work of God's spirit. Like There's no life in our heart. There's, we can, we can, the gospel, can, we can tell it the gospel, but there's nothing. We can tell it about God, nothing. We can paint it up really pretty. We can decorate it, still no life. There's no ability to, to, to receive God's love. There's no ability to know God's love apart from God's invitation and his working on our hearts, church. But despite this being the truth, God invites you to come in. He invites you just to come in, and and what, what he's doing is he's setting the stage for what's about to be served to you. And he invites you to come in, and he just says, sit. Just sit. I'm about to serve you something that you don't deserve. I'm about to serve you something that you can't pay for, I'm about to put in front of you something so good, something that will satisfy your soul, even though your bent has been against the chef that's about to serve you this meal, I invite you in. This is the grace of God, church, we've been invited to come we invited to come and sit at the table. Anyone who knows the redemptive story knows that not only does God invite us uh, to that table by his grace, but there is a table that's going to be prepared for us in eternity, the banqueting table, where we will experience some of the greatest uh, tastes and sweetness and contentment that the human heart could ever know. And it is it is this love that God is about to serve us that we only know when God's renewing spirit works on our hearts and our minds, when he replaces the heart of stone with the heart of flesh, not that we have loved God. So come and sit. Come and sit. Not because of what you've done, but because the invitation has gone out. So come and sit, because what is the, the food is about to be served, and that's the next phrase. Look at it but that he loved us. But that he loved us. Here it is. See it served before you. And we can't rush here. You can't rush here. I can't rush here. I want us, as we consider these words, these first three bites that must be savored, Don't rush, don't hurry, just taste it and savor it. First bite, he, he. Let's make sure we understand and be crystal clear on who he is. This is talking about God, that's what it's referring to. And, And he is the one who is love. He is the infinitely holy, glorious above all creation, exalted over all, God of the universe. He he cannot be contained. He is all sufficient. He's a God who needs nothing from you and me. But he gives us everything in himself. He's the, the merciful and the loving and the faithful God. He's the God that is perfect in every way for our lives. He, he loved. He is love. The very very nature of his being is love. His character is a reflection and gives us clues as to the reality of what love is. His actions define the true character of love. It's shown in his creation of the world. It's shown in his love for the world. The word here is agape. Agape. It, it's it is the biblical word for love. It is um, to define agape is has multiple layers of of sweetness to it. It is a powerful affection, freely given. Watch this, a, a powerful affection, freely given, without restraint, in the context of absolute loyalty. Do you see what that does to the reality of love? It both fills it and secures it and sustains it. What love in the world is not pathetically lesser than that love? It's it's deep affection and deep commitment running together constantly. It is what my heart craved until I found it in Jesus Christ. It is what your heart will crave anytime you wander away from it and try to satisfy your life in less, with lesser loves. Until you turn and believe back again on what God's revealing here, you won't be satisfied. It's past tense, this idea he loved us because it's rooted in the past reality but it continues into the present. He loved. And then finally, us. Us. You and me. Like, Actually, hey, hey, a little good news this morning. uh, You're in, okay? Like, you got the invitation. He loved us. Like, just turn to your neighbor right now, and even though it might be shocking, be like, that includes you. Like, it includes you. He loved us. Like, like, think about this. Each one of us, individually, individually, within the context of human history, we are are ridiculously insignificant. Within the context of human history, you and me, we are ridiculously insignificant until he loved us. And the second that that reality falls upon the human heart, you are now bestowed from the God of the universe ultimate dignity, significance, and purpose. Despite being rebels, even when we didn't love God, we, even, when, even, even though we deserve wrath because of our sins, He loved us. And that gives us the picture of the second part of grace in the, in the ingredients of God's love is its unmerited favor. Unmerited, because we didn't love God. Favor, because he loved us. He loved us. And the words that just flow so quickly from our lips here. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. <laughs> this, is, this is the truth of God's fixed, constant reality. And, and, and what I want you to picture this morning is... Um, I brought this up here, this faucet. And um, how this works depends on what it's connected to. And so I can turn the faucet and nothing comes out right now. Okay, if something came out, that would be pretty amazing. Um, but, 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 but nothing comes out because it's not connected to anything. If I took this, though, and I attached a pipe here and I set it in a glass of water and i went like, oh, yeah, we're connected to the water now this is gonna work, and I turned it on, nothing would come out. For us to access God's love, it depends on us being connected to get it into our lives, for the flow of God's love to enter into our lives. What has to happen is you're only gonna get water uh, from this faucet if it's connected to an overflowing water source, and there's a force that's pressing the water into the pipe and come to right here in the faucet. That's what's going to be necessary for God's love to flow into your life. The immeasurable water source that we cannot see is God's love. And and the force that's bringing God's love into your life is what we're about to talk about. See, in an abiding relationship with God by faith, you were promised access to the overflowing water source that can nourish every part of your life. And the reality of that unparalleled water source, that immeasurable water source, is there's, there's nothing to do here in this point. It's just true. God loved us. He still loves us. He loves you and me. And if you believe that, if you believe that God is love and you believe that in his character and nature that there's an immeasurable water source, here's what will happen. You're going to say to yourself, "Um, that's got to be more than knowledge. I want that flowing into my life. And so look what comes next. And sent his son. And here in the gospel, what Jesus accomplished, I want you to see, was the force that brought God's love into your life. He connected what was disconnected. And so the world's trying to access all of these sources of love, but it's all so disappointing and lesser. It's dirty water because there's something wrong with the connection. And what God did, first seen on Christmas with the Son of God entering our world in human form, was God was born in a manger, love incarnate, love embodied in the person of Christ. What he teaches us there is that love is more than an affection or emotion. It's a truth that's always working itself out in action. The fulfillment of the mission. For God so loved the world that he sent his only Son. The mission was initiated by God to give access to his love because that's what he was wanting to do. He was wanting to shower us with his love. He was wanting to give us access to it, to experience the flow of God's love into our lives. And so the mission, it wasn't assigned to someone significant. He wasn't like, "Um, hey, we'll just send an angel to take care of that. He didn't raise up some some, some human and just be like, okay, we got this figured out. Um, um, We're going to... We're gonna send you to, to kind of fulfill this mission and make this connection work. No, the only person that could make the connection was the Son of God. Charles Spurgeon wrote, he sent his equal son, and there was a cost, to rebels who would not receive him, would not hear him, but spat upon him, scourged him, stripped him, slew him. Yes, he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Savor it this morning. And he sent his son. Jesus was sent into the world to give everyone access to God's love. Jesus, through his, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and then the sending of the Spirit, <clears throat> what he did in that moment is he actually created and established the necessary connection to God's love. He bridged a gap that we couldn't bridge ourselves, he established access through his death and resurrection, and then he returned to heaven to make sure it was all set up. And then he sent the Holy Spirit into the world to give the force necessary to bring God's love into our very hearts. Romans 5.5, we read it last week. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And through faith, you receive the Spirit. And through receiving the Spirit, you now have access to the immeasurable source of God's love. You're filled literally by the force of God's Spirit. It's right there for you to access. So now what God has done in the gospel is Jesus has come and he's established all the connections, all of the piping necessary for God's love to flow, and through the power of His Spirit filling our lives, the, the, God's love is right there, it's in our house. It's right up against this faucet b- by which we access God's love. But we've gotta to get to the last point to unpack it and understand it fully. Look what it says, finally this last part. To be the propitiation for our sins. To be the propitiation for our sins. Now that word, let's be honest, just turn to your neighbor and go, that word's intimidating. Okay? Like, it's, it, it sounds funny to even say propitiation. So let me break it down. It's the best English word to really carry two ideas. And this is the complexity of the, the Greek language, but, but two, word, two ideas are coming together in propitiation. It's this. Let me sum it up for you. Write it down. Write it next to propitiation in your Bible. Guilt removed, favor received. Guilt removed, favor received. This word defines what, it's the, it's the best, cleanest summary for what Jesus accomplished for you on the cross. Think about it, he removed my guilt. Everything that stands in the way of me being able to experience God's love is just washed away in his death on the cross. And, and not, just, not just that I experience forgiveness, but now that there's a reconciled relationship with God and there's favor received. It is guilt removed, it is favor received. In Christ's death on the cross, in his perfect sacrifice for you and for me, he took the punishment of God's wrath and he offers favor through that forgiveness for you to have a reconciled relationship, a reconciled relationship and an abiding relationship with God. just just savor that. It's offered to you. You can receive it by faith. Someone who who has lived their life completely disconnected from the reality of God's word in one move of faith, in one move of repentance and believing, God in his supernatural work will connect access to his love and through pouring his spirit into your lives by faith brings God's love right to there. Right to there it's offered to you receive it by faith propitiation guilt removed favor received and god's love is so it's it's the brightest possible right here savor it but it's 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 one thing to to love someone who loves you back it's one thing to love someone who has demonstrated their worth before you love them it's it's one thing to sort of have this expectation and only love if you've been loved back, but God's love does not operate like that in any way. God's love does not discriminate. It doesn't evaluate based on worth or value. It doesn't take into account risk or return on investment. He loves sinners, church. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Sinners. He loves people like you and me who, at times, in our actions, are so opposed to the gospel. He loves broken people. He loves people who reject him, run from him, criticize him. He loves without hesitation, he loves without ceasing to be the propitiation for our sins. God wants his love to flow into your life. He wants it on, and he wants it on fully. And through the work of the Holy Spirit, it's accessible to all. It's right here. If you've repented and believed in Christ, God's love and your access to it is right there. And all you have to do now is just walk by faith in God's propitiation for you, in the guilt removed and in the favor received. Because what's holding back God's love from flowing out is just one move of faith by grace where you take hold of God's propitiation. He's given this to you in the gospel. And all you have to do is take hold of that propitiation by faith and apply it to your life and the faucet turns on and God's love flows into your life. In repenting and believing, what we're doing is we're saying, you know what, I've, I've I've been at the wrong faucet. And it's a lesser love than I'm experiencing and I've poured this into my life and I've looked at it and it's dirty and it's gross and I've been drinking it and, but it's not satisfying me in any way. And repenting and believing is going, I'm not going to that faucet anymore, I'm gonna go over to this faucet because of what Jesus Christ has accomplished because of his love for me. I'm gonna take hold of by faith propitiation and I'm gonna turn that on and I'm gonna keep it open and I'm gonna let this love flow into every part of my life. In church, family, what we have to do is we have to keep the flow of God's love open in our lives. Let it flow. Let it flow into the places in your heart and in your past where God's redemption needs to soak into your heart. Needs to soak into your thinking. Needs to literally lead you to feel differently, to live differently, to talk differently. Find in God's love something that when it's opened by faith and you're walking in it and coming under the flow of it and receiving it, that it nourishes your soul and it brings a security and a stability like no other love that this world offers. This love is so sweet and so good, and God has given us everything so that we can get this love connected, we can get our lives connected to God and by the work of his spirit it's poured into our hearts and by grabbing hold of faith, by faith the propitiation that Jesus accomplished for us guilt removed we take hold of this and literally in turning it and grabbing hold of it by faith the guilt is removed and and, and the favor is received it's God's love, savor it savor it let it nourish your soul so let us just see the full picture now of gospel love Let us look at this. Let us us finish where we started. The picture of love in the world is a heart. And the picture of love in the gospel is the cross. That's the picture of love. Before I could ever offer anything to God, He loved me by dying for me. He became the propitiation for our sins. The state of the soul in the gospel is not a leaky cup, but an overflowing pitcher. When you take your heart rightly secured in God's love, he fills that up and you know that it is secure, that it is sustained, and there's nothing that can keep you from accessing God's love. The foundation of love is no longer insecure, it's now secure. You're like, this is constant. There's no aspect of this connection that's dependent on me. It's not dependent on me. He said it in the verse, it's not that we loved God but by his grace, he's connected us. It's dependent on his character, this access I have to God's love. It's secure, friends, it's secure. Nothing you have to do to prove it, savor it. The end goal is not to satisfy self, the end goal in gospel love is to love others. So what happens is, is we experience God's love and it's in a secure and the picture starts to fill up and now it starts to overflow we're like, what am I supposed to do with this? It's overflowing. And God turns our eyes out to all other relationships and to the world. And he says, love your enemies, love your neighbor, as yourself. And he just calls us to love. He calls us to love others. The motivation to love now no longer is feelings, but it's truth-based. It's based in truth. So what I do is under the leadership of the God who showed me love. And then finally, when it's hard to love, uh, the worldly love flees, but gospel love endures it endures, it doesn't move. When all of the reality of, 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 of sin and insufficiency, when all of the misses begin to come out in our life and we see those things, we don't flee from relationships. We endure because God's shown us in his love what endurance looks like. And we want that and we want to live that out. Gospel love, the cross, an overflowing pitcher, secure, love others tr- based in truth, the motivation, and it endures, it endures, it endures. That's why in 1 Corinthians 13, it's like love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't keep a record of wrongs, it endures, it bears all things. Like Think about the nature of God in his love, and his faithfulness. Savor, church, the satisfaction of God's holy love. Savor it. And what Jesus knew in his infinite wisdom was he knew that even in the context of the church, even in the context of those of us whose lives have been captured by this gospel, even those of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus knew that our hearts would would wander. He knew that there would be moments and weeks and sometimes months and years when we find ourselves trying to satisfy ourselves in lesser loves. And so what he instituted for his church was communion. Do do, do you see now the, the, the purpose of communion is to remember? It's to remember that his love shown to us on the cross is one we have to turn back to again and again. And so he wanted it to be a regular time in the gathering of the church so that we would savor the satisfaction of God's holy love. We'd be reminded of it. We would realize that, that, that we've, we've wandered from this to lesser loves. But we're coming back. We're coming back because Jesus invites us to come back from wherever you've been whatever you've been in the last days of your life or the last weeks, if you wander from this church today, based on the truth of the gospel, you are welcomed back any time to come back and by faith grab hold of the propitiation for our sins and let it flow into our lives. So we're going to turn to communion right now as a church to remember in a moment the ushers are going to uh, past the communion trays and they're even coming forward now and communion is for the followers of Jesus Christ. So if you have not repented and believed in Christ, then please let the tray pass and, and just consider in this moment God's love for you and let it continue to do its work in you. And even if, if you're like, I want that love, you can make a decision right now to believe it for yourself. I want you... Uh, For the followers of Jesus Christ, as the trays are passed, there's two cups stacked on top of one another, and I want you to take hold of it, and I don't want you to take it, I just want you to hold it. And the band's gonna sing this next song over us, and we're gonna take communion together. As you hold the cups, just pray. Pray that that you would, by faith, take hold of what Jesus has accomplished for you in his propitiation, whatever you carried in here this morning, it's guilt removed, favor received, if by faith you just take hold of what God has already offered to you. He loved us. Access God's love. Draw near to him in these moments. Reestablish that flow of God's love into your life. Take time just to find your heart secure in that again. Look to the cross and find God's love flowing. So as the band sings, take hold of communion, and we'll take it together in a few moments. Let's do this now.